This episode of Let's Talk About Sex with Lynn and Jen is not intended as a substitute for seeing your own mental health provider. We are here to initiate conversations about sex. Let's keep the conversations going. You can find us on Twitter at TalkingSexPod or email us at TalkingSexPodcasts at gmail.com. We also want to give special thanks to Nathan Diffie for our podcast cover art and our wonderful editor, Julia W.D. Harrison. Lynn Ponton and I, Jennifer Wong, are the executive producers. Yo. There's certain things that I can talk to you about that I can't really with my dad. I don't think we should talk about this. Hi, I'm Jen from Jen and Lynn's, and today we're going to do our spotlight a little bit different than normal. Lynn and I have been traveling And we have some observations that we thought would be interesting to share, and um, hopefully you enjoy. I'm I'm looking forward to it too, Jen, because uh, one of the things that you and I both observed and ended up talking about uh, was some of the, let's say, attention, specifically male attention, that we received uh, during the course of our travels, and then how to handle some of those reactions. Right. Well, actually, what was so striking for me, I went to Taiwan just to bring up where I was traveling to. I went to visit my grandma and I started to think about sort of how I felt when I was walking around. And I recognized that it was so different because like I wasn't being catcalled and I I was feeling safer in a way. And it was just so strange. And it's kind of funny because I didn't recognize it when I was there. It was actually in coming back here. I was on my way to the grocery store and normally I'll go with my fiance. And this time, you know, he was studying for finals. And so I had to go to the grocery store alone and I was just walking and some guy came up and approached me and started kind of hollering at me. And, you know, he wasn't unpleasant per se, but I just, I suddenly started thinking and I was like, oh yeah, this is one of the reasons I don't like going to the grocery store by myself because I have this sort of underlying fear is a bit too strong of a word, but I have this sense that like something will happen to me if I'm not with my partner. And that makes it difficult, it sounds like, for you to go out alone, do things alone, and that's not the experience you had in Taiwan. Right. Yeah, and it was very striking in that way. Yeah. What kind of feelings did that leave you with? Um, It was very confusing because I, I didn't feel angry per se. I, you know, it was unwanted, but it wasn't unpleasant. But it did make me reflect back on times where it had been unpleasant or that I felt like I somehow had to appease the person who was saying things to me, you know, because... They were coming up and just saying like, oh, you look beautiful or, you know, something like that, where I think it's one of those things where people get mixed messages. Some people, you bring that up and they say, oh, well, it's a compliment. You know, you should you should be happy about it. And other times people say, no, that's like a form of sexual harassment. And that's why I thought it would be interesting to talk about today, because I think it can be different things. And it also depends on kind of where I'm at. But I think just the idea of even, you know, I I don't have that fear when I'm with my partner, which I think that makes me angry. Why is it that when I'm alone, this is okay, 
But if I'm with somebody, suddenly it's not okay. You know, just different different thoughts like that. And you don't have that fear because men in general don't harass women that are with the male partner. Right. I had a similar but a little bit different experience on the plane back from France. I was actually, my my grandfather <laughs> lived in France and I was visiting his uh, childhood home or adolescent home there and uh, was on the plane coming back and uh, uh, was called by the male flight attendant, one specific male flight attendant, cutie and sweetie several times until he noticed that my husband was on the flight and he reframed it in the middle and stopped using it in the context of the conversation. Interesting. Um, but it was, uh, I was debating, you know, whether or not to say something to him about how uncomfortable I felt with those terms. You know, I'm sure our listeners know I'm a woman in my 60s and, uh, you know, there was some uh, pleasure, I have to admit, in being called those names. So that those feelings are there. But there was more anger, really, about feeling this is not appropriate. You know, I'm old enough, I'm, I would say, to be his mother, at least maybe his grandmother. And it demeaned my authority. I noticed that he was using it to get me to make certain choices that I had to make, pretty minimal choices on sure, an airplane. Sure, but it was a power kind of Exactly, dynamic. exactly. It's kind of like, well, you and I are friends, you're my sweetie, you're going to do exactly what I want. Yeah. And I found that, you know, again, very upsetting. Um, I also, like you, had not had as much of an experience of that in France. Men will make eye contact, you know, they will smile at you. <laughs> But they don't catcall you. They don't tell you randomly you're beautiful on the street. And they don't say all the sexualized comments that you get every day growing up and living as an uh, adult woman in America. And I think that's so striking, too, because you bring up so much in there <laughs> that we can unpack. And I think we will in a, in a longer episode. You know, this is just kind of our spotlight. But... One of the key things I think there is talking about, because there's such this focus on kind of women and their value being tied to their attractiveness, I think there's this kind of strange window where, you know, with older women, sometimes it is flattering because it's like, wow, I'm still counted in that. And with very young, like preteens, let's say, it's like, wow, I'm starting to be seen as a woman. And so there is that small part where it, it can be flattering or, or at times it can appear flattering, but there also often is this mixture. It's not just this welcome thing. It's, it's very complex in a way. And if the genders were reversed, how many times have you called a man sweetie or cutie repeatedly? Right. And how many times have you called out some sexual comment to a man on the street? Yeah. You know, we could describe these comments, but I'm not so sure our listeners would like to hear them. Yeah. Really. I mean, they're very sexualized. And I they're think we, very we sexualized. Could. What that yes. brings up, actually, I don't know if you mm. know about it, mm. but there's an exhibit that I think it came mm. out in February of this year. It's called, let me see if I can get the name right. It's called, This Is What It Feels Like, or That Is What It Feels mm. Like, or something like that. And this woman basically had a hundred women record different things they had heard on the street, different 
versions of sexual harassment, mm-hmm. basically. And it's this exhibit that you walk through. And she made it particularly to raise awareness for men, but anybody can attend. And it's basically you're just walking through this space and you're constantly being, you know, shouted at and yelled at. And it it's very interesting because for a lot of women, that's just the daily experience. You just learn to be like, oh, well, I guess that's how it is. I just have to figure it out. Whereas what was really surprising about an exhibit like that for men was like, because as we talked about, it doesn't happen when another male is around, you know, when you're partnered up in some way or a peer partnered up in some way. They don't have that same experience. They don't just relate to it. You know, they may hear about it from a female friend, but they don't have a personal experience of it the way women do. Right. They're not having it happen to them, nor are they witnessing it. That's the key point. You know, and I think where men do witness it is when they're in groups of men, behaviors are sometimes different, and the calls are are made at that point. And, you know, it's a different type of experience, you know, (laughs) which has separately been studied and really looked at, but it's very different from what women are experiencing. I was excited when you suggested we talk about this in our podcast because I remember the first time when I was between the ages of 12 and 13. And on the I grew up uh, in the Midwest, actually, in northern Wisconsin, but I was in Chicago on mm. this particular day. And my sister and I, who my sister was a year younger, were walking down the street, and I remember the first time that men ever catcalled us. And it was shocking to me. I hadn't, I wasn't flattered by it. I wondered what they were doing. I was worried we were going to get arrested for this. So I had a very different context for it than, uh, sadly, my daughters and you and the young women of today who've seen so much of it. The media exposes us to so much of it. And it struck me as frankly shocking. And I remember every event, you know, associated with it about that experience. That's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think if you talk to a lot of women, girls even, because there are girls that are being catcalled too, you know, and I think a lot of our experiences are around that age, 12, 13. You may not even Mm -hmm. see yourself as a sexual person yet in the way we, you know, as a society define sexual person. And to have that experience, it's very jarring. And to have the different emotions come up, you know, as you said, you thought you might be arrested or something. Mm -hmm. I think the way people interpret it is very different. I think we don't talk about it very often. And so we're left to kind of struggle with how do we deal with this? I think about a lot of the clients I work with, which are teens, and You know, I can think of a girl, I think she's in seventh or eighth grade, and she stopped walking to school because she got catcalled one day and she didn't feel safe and she just was never going to do it again. And so it limits your ability to be independent. Right. Even thinking about the airplane ride back from France where this uh, uh, flight attendant was calling me sweetie and honey. Yeah. um, I was trying throughout the flight to think about how to address this behavior with him. And uh, I told my husband about it. My husband said, you should go right to the, you know, the head of the airplane here and tell them this is going on and protest this in this way. 
this might be how a man responds to it, but it's not how we're socialized to respond to it. So I've thought a lot about it, and I'm writing a letter to the airlines about this experience and really saying that I think flight attendants of all backgrounds, all genders, need to be socialized and trained around these events. Uh, but I think it would also have been important and better if I could have spoken out with him directly. I agree. I mean, I, I think in general, figuring out what is the assertive thing to do can be helpful. The, the question is, you have to start exploring what keeps people from being assertive, right? Like on the street, a lot of times women talk about, well, I didn't want to be raped or I didn't want to be assaulted, you know? So mm -hmm. obviously if that's the risk of just saying something, risk benefit analysis, <laughs> you know, you're, you're definitely probably not going to say something. And yet I think what's really hard is because a lot of women hold it in then you kind of get these two extremes where we either are kind of holding it in and not saying anything or we're just fed up and done and we get very aggressive. And it's very hard to figure out what is what is a more effective, assertive way of dealing with it. Exactly. And I think this is something for our listeners to think about. Male listeners think about supporting women, girls, daughters with these issues. It's epidemic. It's happening to all women you know, to be aware of that. And for our female listeners, I think we really have to take it on a day-by-day -day basis. It does alter our choices, as you were talking about, where we walk, you know, what we say, how we dress. You know, so much is altered by this, whether or not we smile yeah. at men on the street. Yeah. You know, um, after this happened, my mother said to my sister and I, well, it must be because you girls were smiling at these men on the street. You know, of course, the men who were catcalling us were often working on a building and up in a distance. They couldn't probably see our smiles. It was other things they were looking at. Right. And, uh, you know, just to be more aware of that is really women need to be educated early about how to respond to this. And I think for us to be able to talk, you know, I know we, we kind of beat this over the head all the time, but it's because it's so important. I think about so many of the teens that I talk with, they, they'll often say, oh, I never talk about this with anybody, you know, and mm -hmm. I just find that so striking. It's like, we really need to talk about this because then we can figure out, okay, well, what can we do? What can we do as a society? But what can we do individually? How can we help each other? You know, if you see somebody being catcalled, and maybe you're not being catcalled, maybe you can call them out, you know, and say, hey, that's not cool. Or, you know, especially as a guy, I think there's still this dynamic where, you know, if a guy tells another guy to stop like a buddy, they're more likely to stop than if a girl calls mm -hmm. that guy out, you know, so that's unfortunate it also is kind of where things are at. And so if that helps move the conversation along, I'm all for it. Yeah, I think things like that, where we support other people when we see this happening to yeah. them, we encourage them to go back and to confront the person who was doing it, or at least point out how it made them feel awkward. You know, all of those things can really make a big difference. Yeah, and I encourage people, if you're in this area, to go check out the exhibit this is what it feels like. No, I think it's a great idea. Well, thank you, Jen, for bringing this subject up and getting us started on these conversations. Yeah, thank you, Lynn. Come on. Let's talk about sex.